Welcome to the fourth episode of Runners of NYC podcast. I'm Jean Mack, and I'm here with my co-host, Chris Chavez, and our new producer, John Phillips. So thanks for tuning in again. You guys are all the best. Yeah, and a reminder, you can subscribe to the show on iTunes and SoundCloud, and we were just added to Google Play. Uh, so thanks a lot to everyone who has shouted us out on Instagram or shared the podcast on Twitter. Um, if you're a subscriber, we'd appreciate it if you took a quick second to leave a rating and a review. It helps get the word, uh, word out about the show, and it helps improve our standing on the podcast charts, which I kind of care about, but Gene doesn't as much. Um, I obsess over those. Uh, but yeah, no, we love hearing from new listeners and those who have been tuning in from the start. So uh, we're going to keep this going. So let's get to this week's show, Gene. Cool. We just, just finished taping with our fourth guest, Caitlin Phillips. Caitlin is a two-time Olympic trials qualifier in the marathon and has run 237.48. She lives in Brooklyn and works in Manhattan as an art producer and has been running in the city since 2007. Yeah, I was super pumped about this episode because we uncover a lot of facts about <laughs> Caitlin that have never before graced the internet. I tried Googling her before this. And it was just so difficult to find anything out. So in this episode, you'll learn a lot about her running history. And once we get this transcribed, this will be the most that will be out there on the internet about her, which is the thing that we sought out to do at the start of this podcast. Exactly. So thanks to Caitlin again. Um, we talk, as always, about her races at the Boston Marathon, at Berlin Marathons, her 100-mile weeks in New York City, how and why she became a runner, and what keeps her running. So, without further ado, here's Caitlin Phillips. Um, so, yeah, we usually start off by just kind of asking our guests how they got to New York, how long they've been living, some sort of New York focused right. question, but mm -hmm. um, we're going to try to mix it up just subtly this time by saying, when did you get to New York and where were you coming from at that time, physically, mentally, and even spiritually? Ooh, <laughs> tough question. Um, the first part's not <laughs> right? <laughs> the, first part's, the first part's easy. Um, okay, so I moved to New York in 2007 uh, from Kentucky, Lexington, Kentucky, which is where I went to school. Um, I had had, I finished my eligibility at Kentucky in 2004, and then I had a couple years where I was just working and finishing my BFA in art, and I guess the last year, actually, I had kind of, I had kind of taken a break from running, but the last year I was there, I was actually coaching mm -hmm. at Kentucky, um, cool. which was... It was a pretty challenging job for a number of reasons, but um, it was during that that I was like, okay, it's time to leave. <laughs> I want to pursue other things. Um, cool. 
namely a master's in photography and video art. Um, oh, that's awesome. Do you have one of those? I don't. <laughs> I actually ended up dropping out after a year gotcha. of school. Um, it's a longer story, but <laughs> um, yeah. But that's so that's what the podcast is for. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. The longer story is that I ended up like working in the photo industry while I was going to school and then kind yeah. of got a job offer that I couldn't pass up. So right. dropped out and kind of carried on with my career, I suppose. Cool. Um, yeah. So it was like applying to those MF or master's programs that brought you to New York? Yes. Yeah. I, I kind of knew that I wanted to be here in particular. Like I had thought about LA for a little while. Um, but I knew that I wanted to be in a major city where I could pursue a career in the arts. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, so were you coaching girls that you had actually run with yourself? There were a couple of seniors on the team that had been there when, I, they were freshmen when I was seniors, mm-hmm. so that was kind of an interesting dynamic. Yeah, did but they respect you enough? <laughs> um, I think, well, I, I was actually coaching both the men and the women, or the, the men and the women kind of trained together at, interesting. In, at Kentucky. I don't know if it's still like that, but it was a very like close-knit program when I was there, so there were guys and girls that were on the team as freshmen. Um, and then, yeah, I think, I think they did respect me, but it's, yeah, it's, that job was challenging more for like, I didn't realize the time commitment required Mm. for like recruiting and hosting athletes when they're visiting. Totally. Um, so it was, it was very long hours and it was nearly impossible to do anything else. Yeah. (laughs) But, (laughs) but definitely a learning experience. How different was the training structure, I guess, once you got to Kentucky compared to uh, what your running background was before that? And, like, how far back does that go? Um, geez. I started running when I was, I guess it would, was sixth grade cross country. Um, and I wasn't, I wasn't very good at running when I first started, but I was very interested in running and really enjoyed it for whatever weird reason (laughs) (laughs) a child likes to do those things. Um, But I, yeah, so I kind of transitioned into, like, fairly, like, I was fairly serious by the time I was, like, in eighth grade and, like, did the, like, AAU and USATF, like, Mm. nationals and stuff like that. Um, And also as part of, like, this, um, I went to, like, a Catholic grade school and we had the this, like, CYO program that, like, was pretty competitive um I don't know there have been plenty of people like I think the Infelds were like at one of the like competing grade schools um in Ohio right? in Ohio yeah and then from there in high school I was pretty I was pretty focused on running and like you know in the immediate sense but then also like thinking about future of like college running and things like that so I think to answer your question, <laughs> um, the program at Kentucky when I got there was very like middle distance based. Um, I was always like a cross country type person. I liked track, but it wasn't like my like main interest. Um, so I kind of learned to shift a little bit. Like it was not a high mileage program. I kind of had to like push my coaches, you know, as I got more, mm-hmm. as I got older and 
more like interested in running like the 5k and doing well in cross country. Um, but yeah, I kind of shifted into like the more like middle distance events and where I actually had people to train with as well. So there were like a couple girls on the team that were like milers and 800 meter runners that were really talented. And, um, yeah, it was, it, it was a little bit more conducive to like that type of training than long distance training. Yeah, definitely, because when people think of the SEC, a lot of people think of sprints and, like, University mm. of Florida and Arkansas. Right. And for you to be at Kentucky, it's like that's – you pretty much had to push for, I think, more of a distance focus while you're there. Right, yeah, yeah. What was it like, I guess, at those championships when – because you did end up winning a 5K title, right? I did win a 5K title. I think that was my senior year. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I think – they, the SEC is such a highly competitive conference. I think there's definitely like a camaraderie between all the SEC schools, and you know we would all like hang out together after races or uh, meet where we're you know it, wh- whether it's it, SECs or nationals or whatever. It's kind of like the same scene because it's all the SEC teams are generally in the top mm-hmm. like ten. Yeah. Um, at those Humble meets. Brag. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Humble brag. Um, that was not always. <laughs> I wasn't always a part of that, but um, yeah. So I think it was a pretty special experience, and I definitely recognized like the positive aspects of that versus necessarily having like exactly what I wanted from like a distance running mm-hmm. perspective. So I kind of like, I don't know. Yeah, it's a give and take. Yeah, exactly. Were you doing pretty high mileage for training at that point in Kentucky or not really? No, I mean, I like, re- I, yeah, my coaches were, they didn't really have anyone else that was running super high mileage. So I was probably running like 60, maybe 70 miles a week. I think there was a point where I was doing like I was adding some doubles to mm. my runs to be like in the seventies, but there's a lot of high intensity stuff. Um and you know, I never really ran more than like sixteen miles at a time, which I guess is probably for pretty solid for a five K. Yeah, that's type that's not terrible. Yeah. What's Lexington like as a city to run in? Um, there are some really great places to run. I mean, just outside of Lexington is where all the, like, big horse farms are. So there's a lot of, like, beautiful rolling country roads where you're just, like, in the woods and between, yeah. Yeah. But have you been back to Lexington? (laughs) I have. I actually, like, I go probably, like, once a year, once every two years. I still have a lot of friends that are down there. Nice. I actually went back for 4th of July. That's fun. Yeah. Um... But yeah, so when people ask you where you're from now, do you answer Ohio? Um, yeah, I claim I claim Cleveland. Okay, that's my, <laughs> uh, my place, but that's where my my mom's whole family is, and mm-hmm. I went to high school there, so that's that that's where I go home to now. Right, but you have some claim to New York because you've been here for like ten um, years. Yeah, it's I guess it's been a little over eleven. So wow. yeah. Impressive. And how many different apartments have you lived in since you've been oh God. here? Um, <laughs> I've lived in like every neighborhood. Jeez, <laughs> um, probably like at least 10. Um, <laughs> nice. Some of which have been longer, but I think when I first moved here, it was like the every five months. Like <laughs> maybe not even. 
Yeah. There's something about New York that just makes you like always on the lookout for a better apartment. Yeah. <laughs> Grass is always better. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's like some neighborhoods offer, you know, good running, some offer good food. It's mm-hmm. like kind of got to find the balance, but yeah. So in that break, I guess, between Kentucky and then eventually landing in New York, what was what was running like for you? I know you <coughs> said you kind of wanted a little bit of a break from it. So yeah. Like, did, was it just, you know, a whole year without running? And then what was the moment that kind of was like, all right, I'm, I need, I'm going to buy back in? <sighs> yeah. Well, I, it was actually much longer than a year, I would say. I... Between the time I got here in 2007 and, like, 2009, I didn't really run at all. Um, I was going to school. I was working crazy hours. I I think I was going through kind of, like, a tough emotional time. Mm-hmm. And I was, like, I really – I just have, like, a very strong desire to run. I didn't have running shoes. I was, like, super broke at the time. I was, like, let me just – I'm just going to walk to McCarran <laughs> and, like, just – do a couple laps around the track barefoot. So I was like, wow. I walked, <laughs> I walked over there in like my work shoes and I was like, <laughs> okay, I'm just going to like do a mile. And then I was like, from there, I was kind of not really running seriously, but it kind of like picked it back up a little bit. And then I decided that I wanted to run New York City Marathon. Um, so I entered the lottery and didn't get in, but then ended up, deciding that I still wanted to do it and I ran for um team and training so which is like a leukemia and lymphoma uh charity that what year was that that was 2010 cool yeah so it was like spring 2010 so I kind of had like a long hiatus and like it, I I never really would have thought that I was a person that needed that long of a mental break but I think in like serious like high school and college running it's very I don't know it's it's really easy it kind of like gets I don't know your life gets very like one-dimensional and it's very focused on this one thing and you can kind of lose your sense of self in it if that makes sense and why you're actually doing it so definitely do you feel like you had a chance to find a sense of self outside of running in like time that you took off from it a bit yeah absolutely I mean I think in in that time, I was able to have a lot of experiences that I probably wouldn't have if I was training seriously. Um, yeah. And I knew, like, I knew when I finished my college running experience that there, there, you know, there weren't as many opportunities then as there are now to like either be like a runner that's like more uh, active on like social media or in you know even just like the resources that you know kids coming out of college have to like kind of segue into like a more professional career I think there's a lot more now whereas then it was kind of like I'm not gonna you know there were like two there was like the farm team in Minnesota Mm -hmm. (laughs) Stanford but it was like I didn't ever feel like I was at that kind of level where yeah definitely that makes sense yeah so really early on, I guess, once you sign up for that marathon, is it a lot of just a solo effort to train for this thing by yourself, or did you seek out a group so, and a coach? So it actually kind of led me to eventually seek out um, a running group. Um, I had reached out to, well, I didn't, I was also like 
totally unaware of the New York road running community. <laughs> like I had no idea, no clue. And again, it wasn't a time when it was like you could find this now. stuff easily on yeah. Instagram or whatever. It was like I just had no idea. So they were I, like mailing letters. <laughs> <laughs> More or less, I'm like it. really aging myself here. But, <laughs> but um, yeah, I. So so I think eventually I when I initially started, I was like, oh, I just want to do the marathon for fun. I just want to finish it. I don't have any like time goals. I don't have any like big ambitions to like run a fast race. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, then I kind of got fit again because I was running probably not that much. I was probably very undertrained for this race, (laughs) but, um, I was probably running like maybe like 50 to 60 miles a week. And I, I mean, it wasn't terrible, but it was now after, you know, 10 years of <laughs> 10 years of training, training for marathons, I know a little, I'm a little bit more gluten, but yeah, at the time, like I was actually running with the team and training group quite a bit. Um, at least they had like runs, like maybe once during the week and once on like a Saturday in prospect. Um, which was a nice intro into the New York running community. And then I looked into kind of joining a team and having, you know, I was super interested in having a group of women specifically that were kind of like that got it, that had Mm -hmm. like done a certain level of running that would be, you know, just good training partners. So I had emailed Central Park and I emailed NIAC and, Nayak responded right away, and they were like, "Oh, like let's let's meet," um, and that was kind of my intro into the whole New York running scene. Cool. How did that marathon end up going in 2010? Um, I dropped out. <laughs> Ooh, I didn't know that wasn't like I, a question. <laughs> no, no, no. That's it's totally fine. So yeah, my first marathon, I ended up dropping out at like 18 mm-hmm. on first Ave. Um, it was a pretty heartbreaking decision but I was having some nutrition like I couldn't I couldn't get my nutrition down I was like my body temperature was totally whack um I ended up stopping in the med tent thinking like oh I might start again but it was was, yeah yeah it's time to sit down (laughs) so then what made you want to go back and be like you know what I have unfinished business. Good question. (laughs) (laughs) Like other than being a total masochist um I so after that race, I was like more becoming more involved in the New York road running community and especially like with NIAC and was also like just kind of within this, this NIAC group, it was like everyone was like trying to qualify for the Olympic trials or, you know, just training more or less for either like there were still a few people training for like the steeplechase or whatever, but um, I was super inspired by all of those teammates and mm. that kind of got me more like it, my training became more consistent. I was racing on a regular basis and then I, you know, I didn't run another marathon until New York the following year, um, which went slightly better, <laughs> but not much. <laughs> uh, um, so yeah. And with those NIAC teammates, there's a, you mentioned there's people chasing Olympic marathon trials, qualifiers. Yeah. In your head, I guess you do have a good concept of like what constitutes as fast from your college days. Mm-hmm. But once you get out to this, I guess, post-collegiate life and you're running, when does, I guess, that kind of settle into 
something that you believe is like within reach for your own ability? That is a good question. I think I definitely saw some significant improvements, at least in my, like in the shorter races, which could probably be applied to that. But I did have like, I had a few years after that, those first two New York marathon experiences where I was like, I kind of had this feeling that I could run much faster in a marathon. Like the second time I ran New York, I ran like just over three hours. Um, I was in much better shape going into it, but I was like, I can't unlock this race. Like I don't, I don't really get it. And that kind of, that kind of was consistent for the next few years. I think I struggled to find a coach, um, which is tough. I think I, and there was a point where I was also like, do, am I like good enough to hire a coach? Like, is that a thing that I should do? Um, but that was kind of becoming more popular, like with my NIAC teammates and I had seen some of them had great success after hiring a coach. So I was intrigued. And then, yeah, I, 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 um, ended up eventually meeting my coach through one of my NIAC teammates and he's still coaching me. Um, but I think that was, that was a big piece of like, finally kind of figuring out this distance and I don't know if that answers the question. No, it does. <laughs> so when, when do you, do you, is there a race that sticks out in your head where you're like, okay, that was the first one that I actually did figure out. Um, I would say Chicago in 2014, uh, which is when I qualified for the trials. Um, I think, yeah, my coach was a huge part of that. Um, up until then, I think I had run to 49, but there was just like, I could, I just couldn't figure it out. And it wasn't for lack of like, I was, the training wasn't that much different, but I think, um, Terry's approach from like a mental perspective was the key to kind of helping me unlock this thing. That's that's a big, you went from like. I think that was, you ran like 242 at that race, right? Yeah. So that's yeah. a big jump. Yeah. It was a huge jump. And, but it was finally like, okay, like, I know I can probably run faster, but this was like a really, like, big moment for, like, I was like, okay, I'm finally kind of satisfied. <laughs> what was the, the mental aspect that you were mentioning, like, Terry kind of helped you with? Was it more like just how to approach training or how to go into the race I think it's actually both but most importantly probably is the the mental side of it or the yeah the training the everyday training part of it so I went from kind of having these workouts that were super ambitious on paper that I I never felt like I was constantly disappointed that I wasn't Mm -hmm. like hitting my times. And I think that, that there's such a big piece of like confidence building that comes from like, for example, when I, you know, even now I look back at some of the workouts that I was doing in prior to 2014 and I'm like, wow, that, that would have been like really ambitious for me now knowing that I'm like considerably more Mm -hmm. fit and, you know, just have like this, years of like strength of like distance running and doing like 80 to 100 mile weeks where you're like Mm -hmm. kind of building and like gaining strength I I don't know so I would say that 
his workouts sometimes on paper seem very long and daunting, but mm. more often than not, the goal times are very manageable or in my head achievable. Right. So I think, and of course it's like always like, there's always that like finding that balance with a coach mm-hmm. where you're like, are you pushing me hard enough or am <laughs> I pushing myself? You know? So Definitely. I think that's been quite a learning experience, but yeah. And Terry Shea is your coach, right? Yes. Yeah. Just yeah. a shout out. To <laughs> yes. <laughs> Terry Shea. Um, Which is, yeah, it's weird because Carly, his wife was my like massage therapist and like she used to help us with PT stuff at Harvard un- undergrad. So it's yeah, weird that so we cool. had that connection. Yeah. <laughs> What's a 100-mile week of training look like in New York in, in terms of just, like, setting it up? Like, have you, I'm sure you've done one of them. Yeah. So it's like, that sounds like a lot of miles and just – and w- we've said it before on this podcast, I guess. It's just such an inconvenient place to train sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is, but then, you know, to, to be the glass-half-full person. Um, <laughs> and I think Jean and I have talked about this before, like, on a run where it's like – you have this kind of like insane community in New York where it's like there, you know, if I wake up on a Saturday morning and I'm like, there are like any number of people that I can text and be like, Hey, do you want to meet for six, 10, 15 miles real quick? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Normal people would get the text and be like, this is absurd. (laughs) What are you asking? Yeah. 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 (laughs) But I mean, New York is kind of condensed in a way where it's like, you know, people are going to Central Park, Prospect Park, the West Side Highway, or doing some sort of bridge run Mm -hmm. situation. So I think that aspect of it has been really crucial for me. And I like, I sincerely don't know if I would still be as invested in like running and racing if that, if I didn't have that accessibility to training partners and, you know, yeah, I'm just having this weird light bulb moment over here where it's like, yeah, New York is such a huge city, but it's actually kind of condensed, like mm-hmm. you were saying, mm-hmm. in terms of, like, there's not really, like, that many options, whereas, yeah. like, if you live somewhere else where it's so sprawling, yeah. the chances that people are going to be yeah. congregating around yeah, that totally. section is, like, not as Yeah, high. yeah. And, in, yeah, I think I also mentioned, like, in 2016, I was in L.A. for from, like, January till August, or till April, and I was training for Boston and I did every single mile of that build up solo. And mm. it's like, it's not because there's not runners in LA. It's just like, mm-hmm. you're so spread out and it's like often inconvenient to like, try to like connect with yeah. people. Whereas here it's like, if I text somebody that lives in Manhattan, I meet them halfway and we, you know. Yeah. Cool. Um, just, to back up to like the first thing that motivated you, it sounds like like deciding to run the New York City Marathon is why you kind of eventually got back mm-hmm. into running more consistently and racing. But yeah, what was it about that marathon and why did you just decide kind of out of the blue you wanted to do it? That's a really good question. I think it was kind of twofold. I think I was like, I think part of me knew that I still wanted running to be a big part of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, uh, when I didn't get in the lottery, uh, my aunt was also diagnosed with lymphoma. So mm-hmm. then I was like, it was kind of motivated by that as well. Cool. As um, I guess like you've improved in running and I guess like you've gone, you, we did 
mention, I guess, like what the running scene mm-hmm. is kind of like and what it's like now, I guess. Mm-hmm. When did you really, I guess, feel that boom where it kind of really did take off? Because I guess we have, I remember reading a comment that someone, I think, tweeted mm-hmm. at us where it's just like, yeah, it's like, I guess the New York City that we've captured in the first couple episodes, it does seem a little hipster right now. <laughs> um, where yeah. we have, I guess, a couple, well, we have a lot of running crews right. out there. Yeah. And there's, there's totally. this whole underground running scene. But you've gotten to know, I guess, like a mix of what it was like before and I guess what it's like now. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think it was probably around 2014-ish. I mean, certainly I think before... I, I think it like kind of coincides with like social media becoming more of a platform for mm-hmm. people. And then also like, I mean, for me, the most like obvious thing is like Nike Run Club and like what that kind of brought to the table. And it was probably not even Nike Running Club. It was probably like Bridge Runners or something like Mm -hmm. that. Mm. Um, That like started kind of like seeping into like the bigger running picture. Um, But yeah, it was interesting too. Like I said, I was totally oblivious to like New York Roadrunners. Like I was pretty oblivious to like the crew scene running for a team like Nyack where it's like, you know, most most everyone is like a post-collegiate athlete in in some respect and yeah it's a very different kind of thing I think just to be like solely focused on New York road running races and competing with like a Central Park and a Nyack and those type of teams versus mm-hmm. like now I think it's much broader and more inclusive like all the groups kind of commingle I think yeah. much more yeah definitely it's interesting. I think the like the Nike Run Club thing is an interesting comment because half the time when I meet someone, I'm like, oh, how did you get involved in this club? Or mm-hmm. how did you start running? They're like, oh, I paced for Nike yeah, back yeah. way back when. And it's like, yeah. oh, interesting that that was kind of like the activating spark. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think, so you were with Nyack for a few years, right? Like like oh, seven. Probably. Okay. I just finished with them in like 2017. Like okay. 10 summer. years. Yeah. That's pretty good. So it was a while. Um, yeah. And why did you decide to kind of do your own thing? Um, I think the, like the most glaring of it was me moving to Bed-Stuy and being like so far away. Mm-hmm. Um, and also just wanting to kind of shift like a lot of the girls that – I ran with, um, we're kind of moving on to like other aspects of their lives, like having kids and, um, focusing on their careers and stuff like that. Um, and then there's like, you know, obviously like a much younger crop of people that are, you know, kind of in the more like serious training, Mm -hmm. figuring out, you know, if they're going to try to do the running thing more seriously or as seriously as they did in college. Um, but yeah, I think me moving here and then also meeting people like Knox and, you know, being kind of opened up into that type of mm-hmm. uh, community was was really good and kind of enlightening for me. Cool. Yeah, because you ran with Black Roses for a little yeah. bit, right? Mm-hmm. And through them, you kind of like were able to travel and run. Yeah. I mean, I, uh, yeah, this, this past year, especially like I 
went to, I guess my first like roses experience was really Berlin last mm. year. So Berlin, 2017. Um, and then I went to Mexico with them, uh, right after the holidays. So it was there over New Year's did like a two week thing at Herman Silva's place in the mountains in Mexico, which was amazing. Yeah, that's cool. Um, but yeah, I think like, yeah being a part of that community like really reinvigorated my running in so many ways and I don't know I kind of yeah I kind of had this like running epiphany in the last year where it's like I embraced running as more of like just a part of my lifestyle rather than being like oh I have to like squeeze this in at like x time Mm -hmm. I just kind of became way more chilled out about like training and now if I can't get a run in the morning I'm just like okay I can go at five like what else am I doing <laughs> nice. Today, like, yeah um yeah because I want to get I guess into <clears throat> your day-to-day I guess like work schedule I guess a little bit because in this Nike just do it commercial that you did <laughs> over the summer I think it begins with like you saying that you get up I think every day at 5 a.m <laughs> for a run <laughs> slightly <and> exaggerated <laughs> <laughs> So where does where does that where does it start? Where does your day start? And then what does it look like in terms of like your job? What does it entail? And then squeezing these runs in. Yeah, I mean, I think um, my job right now is pretty like I I think I've kind of finally like I'm in a place where I've like built a team and everyone's kind of aware of. My training, lo- my like, how much time and energy I invest into running. Um, so I think everyone's a little bit more like lax. But I, yeah, generally, I if I'm training for a marathon, which is typically like a sixteen to twelve weeks before a race, um, I am getting up between five fifteen and six. Um, and running probably anywhere from like 10 to 20 miles in the morning before work and then doing in, you know, a shorter run in the evening. So maybe something between like four and six miles. Um, so yeah, it, I mean, I would say, you know, on the very long morning days, it would be a workout day. That's like a 20 mile run. Do you double every day? No, no. I mean, if it's like a hundred mile week, it'd probably be three to four doubles per week. And then, but you know, it's not like I'm running like a hundred, a hundred, a hundred. It's like anywhere really between like 85, I would say to like 105. That's, Mm -hmm. yeah. That's fair. Yeah. Do you do that like for a consistent period during the buildup or is that mostly like the peak? Um, That would be, so generally I, before I even start thinking about running a marathon, I will run like probably between four and six weeks of like base mileage, which would be like, I would qualify that as like 60 miles a week, like anything above like 50. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, this podcast has just turned into like <coughs> training. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. Cleaning yeah, everything like, I can. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. what's the pace yeah, for those? Yeah, and then yeah. how many yeah. strides exactly? Yeah, yeah. Making notes yeah. over here. <laughs> no, I totally get it. It's like, yeah. Um, yeah. So I think, um, 
I don't know, then it's, you know, it's, it's much easier to fit in 60 miles a week with mm-hmm. like, uh, nine, I mean, nine to five. I think my, my job's probably more like 10 to seven every day, um, depending on like what season. I've been pretty fortunate in that my like busy times at work have kind of like coincided like with like my downtimes from mm-hmm. running. So like I ran Berlin and then I had like a month of like crazy hours and then that was both this year and last year. Um, so that's been kind of fortunate and I don't know. It's, I don't know, just find a way to fit it in. When you say people finally understand it and get it at work, like what, what is that? When did that happen? Like, is it, is it like, do they know you as like, Oh yeah, she's a really good runner in the office or cause it's like, I could definitely see a situation where, people who do train at a level like you and Jean, mm-hmm. you know, show up to work and then there's, you had just finished like a 16 or 20 miler mm-hmm. and there's obviously going to be some, someone at the office who will joke around and be like, right, right. Oh, how far did you go this morning? Yeah, and it's yeah, like, totally. is that, is that what happens? <laughs> um, yeah, a little bit. Yeah. I think probably, I mean, the Nike thing was probably like a thing that people were like, Oh, like <laughs> I didn't realize. <laughs> and even then you're like, well, what did you learn from that? Other than like, <laughs> I'm coming into late to, into work late sometimes because I've run like. <laughs> Cut me a break. That's what they like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but was it ever? Was there ever a time where they stumbled upon a result or something like that where it was like, whoa, that's that's fast. I don't know. I don't know like how much that's really in the like the common knowledge. Right, like yeah, if you're running like, like I think population. maybe like Berlin last year, I think I finished sixteenth or something and people were like, Oh wow, that's really like cool. But that was probably like the first time mm-hmm. that someone's been like, Oh wow, oh you're like kinda good at this thing. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm surprised it's, it, it's taken a while for, for people to catch on. Well the other thing too is know. like well, like preparing for this podcast, there was just very few very little information out there about you running. So I was like, <laughs> I'm really looking forward to this, to getting yeah. to know you. Really? <laughs> yeah. No, it's very under like, the radar. <laughs> I feel like I'm yeah, it, I think if I, I don't know, I've never been I don't know. I think when I I running has always been this kind of like thing that I do that's like kind of separate mm-hmm. from like my normal like work and friend life. So mm-hmm. I think definitely like as I've become more and more serious and sort of committed to it in the past like f- 4 years, I think yeah, I don't know. Like, I feel like this year I finally, like, had this, like, epiphany where I was just like, oh, I can just, I can, this can be this, like, active part of my life that people know about, mm-hmm. and it's fine. Like, it's it's good, actually, because it you takes so like, much. hide like, it. Yeah, I don't know. I <laughs> like think you're a closeted I, runner. <laughs> yeah, I know. I think, like, the first time, like, my friends, like, this is going back probably to when I signed up for the marathon, they were just like, wait, you run? I was like, yeah. <laughs> I have now for 10 years. I've been hiding it from you. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, you know, I get that totally. And do you feel like your relationship with running itself has changed kind of as you've made that epiphany and as you've gotten a little bit more serious? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's definitely something that has, uh, has always been a big part of my life, but I think now it's like I feel the most sort of like settled in mm. in my running life if that makes sense yeah kind of um 
Like, you know what you're doing. You're a little bit more comfortable. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And I can kind of, like, self-coach a little bit when I'm, like, in the down, like, in the time, the periods where you're, like, not running as much and just taking a break. Um, What else do I want to say? (laughs) (laughs) I think it's interesting, too, like, how when you were talking about how you took time off after undergrad um, for a few years, you were saying how like you didn't want running to be like the only thing that you define yourself by, like the main thing in your identity. <laughs> and now that you're kind of like coming back towards taking a little bit more seriously and having it be like a, a very obvious, like actual part of your life. Yeah. Do you feel like it's almost like staking a bigger claim on your identity again? Or how does that all kind of work together? I don't know. I think, like, getting older, it's, like, sure, I think it becomes a little bit easier to be yourself and feel a little bit more comfortable in, like, just, like, enjoying the things that you enjoy and being, like, vocal about them or... um, I don't really know if this is the best answer. (laughs) How did I get distracted? What was the question? (laughs) Um, Yeah, no, I definitely feel like it's, it's a part, it's a big part of my identity, but I also balance it out with all these other things. And I have a lot of other interests besides running. And I think now I'm kind of like at this point where all these things are kind of like feel good and balanced and, um, that sounds yeah. great. Yeah. <laughs> Can't yeah. wait to get there. <laughs> but I mean, but yeah, it's like been a long time coming. So, I, and I think, you know, surrounding yourself with people that are like encouraging whatever aspect of life, like whether it's like having a great running partner or a great running group or having an amazing coach or just like having a, a boss that like takes this into consideration and mm-hmm. kind of understands in some capacity, like how how hard it is to be so invested in you know something outside of like just your work and like having a normal life and friends and cool so I guess what are some of these other outside interests because (laughs) I think you just made it so hard for me with doing the research for this show with not only there not being a lot of results out there but Caitlin Phillips being a very common name I was like I can't find anything (laughs) Oh god, that's so funny. Um, I I mean I think you know I'm still like super interested in the arts and um, I I think now it's just like have like bring or like have, maintaining that balance between like friends and having a social life and having like a career that is like rewarding and inspiring and you know can kind of I don't know like reinvigorate like my job now has kind of been I'm I'm uh, technically my title is art producer uh which means that I like hire artists for um advertising shoots generally for like films and um still photography shoots um but that's kind of super interesting to me because I've always been interested in like finding young artists and um, also working with people that have been around for, you know, decades. So it's, it's, um, yeah. And where do you get some of like your art and design and even like fashion inspiration from? Because 
As a quick anecdote for our listener, <laughs> I, Chris, I have some information that you might find interesting. Okay. One of Caitlin's interests outside of running is definitely fashion. <laughs> I, can, I can tell you this because like one of the first runs I ever did with you, we were like meeting in New Jersey oh. and, um, and uh, I was coming from Pennsylvania. So I pulled up. I was like somehow not the last person there because I'm usually late for everything. And, Me too. Um, <laughs> And Caitlin got out of the car she was in wearing like these very, very cool wide leg, I think Carhartt pants. I don't know. You can correct me if I'm wrong. And like a button down tee with like a really cool design all over. I think there were even like some surfboards on it. And I was like, oh, uh, like, I guess Caitlin's not running. Like, oh, um, maybe she's injured. I don't know. Maybe she's just here to support. That's super cool. And then, like, a few minutes later, she just, like, unzips these Carhartt <laughs> pants and has, like, spandex on underneath. And I'm like, well, that's fucking awesome. Um, yeah. I think you commented. You were like, that's a very interesting warm-up. No, I, I was, like, jealous. I was like, why didn't I think about that? Um, yeah, no. It's part of the whole, like, adapting the running lifestyle into your, like, like everyday, like, totally. I don't know. Yeah. Um, um, but that anecdote just... Lends me to ask: <laughs> A, were they Carhartt pants? Am I right? And yes, B, they were. <laughs> and be like, yeah. Where do you? What kind of like designers or artists inspire you? Where do you get inspiration from? Oh, geez. Um, I. Oh, um, <laughs> where do I get inspiration from? I think just kind of like being. I think it's kind of like by proxy of like being around artists and mm. people that are kind of like doing things that are a little like off the beaten path. Um, and I think, I don't know. I think I'm the type of person, like when I'm studying photography and film, I was like not, I think a lot of times people can get like kind of like narrow minded about where their inspiration comes from. And I think mm. I was always someone that was like, I want to go look at those sculptures and see, like, I don't know. I was, and not just, I don't know. I think too, like even with running, like it can get kind of like insular and like you kind of are just like inspired by like people running fast times or people being like really cool on social media. I don't know. It's like, <laughs> I think it's like sometimes you have to kind of like look outside the box to be able to like have a more like fulfilling journey or something so I don't know if I can say like directly where my inspiration comes from but I don't know I guess I've always been kind of just inspired by the people around me whether it's like someone I work with or someone I'm on a shoot with or traveling or um I don't know walking down the street in New York cool as someone who has like a really good eye I'm sure for uh like art and photography what do you I guess make of running photography where I, I mean judging off your Instagram there aren't a lot of running photos on there um, so it's like are you very picky as to what makes a really good <laughs> running photo um, no I don't know I mean I have so many friends too now that are like awesome um, running and sports photographers um, I mean as part of what they do mm -hmm. um, I think Jeez, I, I don't know. I mean, I think, yeah, just, like, I'm always kind of 
intrigued by the process because it's like you have like so little time and you know I don't know like Fred and Jason and um, Zach and um, I don't know who else have I worked with that's like super amazing and just like can capture this like moment with like no time in like crazy conditions it's just like holy shit that's amazing Um, but yeah I'm I'm, it's not like an area that I'm like an expert in, but I can definitely appreciate the, um, I don't know, like making something like super aesthetically beautiful within like, you know, this like very like kind of limited. Yeah. Um, it's almost like high pressure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah very high yeah. pressure. And I guess like very similarly to when we spoke with David on the previous episode, like coming to New York for him, it was just like, there's just, it's a fashion capital mm. of, you know, the world. So for you, I guess, with with art, like how much time do you also spend taking in what New York has to offer with <laughs> museums and all this kind of stuff? Not as much as I'd like to. <laughs> I think it's like it, it. New York is one of those places where when you are here all the time and you're constantly surrounded by like so much opportunity to see like art, fashion, et cetera, you're kind of like, I'm going to get around to that at some point, <laughs> <laughs> but, but too, it's like also challenging when you're like, when you run for like three hours on a Saturday mm-hmm. morning to be like, let me go check out the show <laughs> at the new museum. <laughs> um, that being said, like I usually do kind of play catch up on that stuff when I'm like taking a break and I like to take like probably one, at least a month off after a marathon, if not longer, um, so it kind of gives me a little bit of time to like do other stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, so just to get back to your running a little bit, this past fall in Berlin, you PR'd. Congratulations. Good, thank you. Um, and it, you were like super close to hitting the A standard for the Olympic trials. How does that feel? Close-ish. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Under a minute, right? Um, like a minute. I don't, I don't know, a minute 40 or something. Okay. What, um, is, what is the A? I thought it was 237. Two, wait, is it 237? Is it sub 237? I think as long as you're Am under I crazy? 237. Yeah, I, th- I think you're right. I think it is under two. Th- okay, so I was like 40 something seconds away. Um, <laughs> it's good to not know exactly what you're shooting for. Um, <laughs> Just think that it's faster yeah. and then you have to run faster. Uh, yeah, no, I think I was... I was I was I was happy with that race, um, but I think we had also talked about this on a run. But like I, before before Boston, I felt like I was like I was about to have this like huge breakthrough. I had the best like buildup that I've had um, probably ever for a marathon, definitely ever for a marathon. Um, and then I ended up dropping out of Boston 13 miles in. Um, well, anyone would have in those. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. I am, I'm still like, I'm still like, I can't even comprehend like how so many people finished and did well. Um, well, so I I'm guess like, yeah, it's crazy. It kind of blows we my talked mind. about, we talked about it with David and he was painting yeah. a very terrible and yeah, <laughs> scary yeah, picture. Yeah, 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 but you yeah. can actually provide us with some like, really interesting insight what was that you, you were with the elite women mm-hmm. what is the conversation going on beforehand among everyone just kind of like 
this is really gonna suck. There and was a little bit of melancholy on the starting line. <laughs> um, it was the most. It was the most bizarre experience. I was like, okay, everyone has like a windbreaker on. Like everyone's like actually gonna wear their windbreaker in this race. Um, I. I think because I was not a John Hancock elite, which is like the invited elites, I did I didn't have an, a separate number for my um, jacket or mm-hmm. whatever. So I was like, all right, well, I'm gonna have to take this off at some point. No. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It was such a strange experience, especially because I know like even at like mm, around well, one the race went out super super slow, so we're all together in a big pack for much longer than like, I was like, okay, we're still in this pack. And like, you know, usually I think even at like, even if you're running like in the two mid two thirties, you're not going to be with the women that are running, you know, two twenty. Mm-hmm. So to, yeah, to be in that pack still like four miles in and then seven miles in, you're getting <laughs> 10 miles in, and I was like, wait a second, Shalane is behind me right now. What's going on? I mean, I learned later that she had stopped to go to the bathroom, and then, like, part of the reason why the pack had kind of, like, slowed up was because Des was holding the the thing for her, holding up the pace or the race. Um, but, yeah, it was a wild experience. Never never had anything like that in a race. Is, it, is anyone talking, like, throughout the race? Um it was so, it was such a like sensory overload, mm-hmm. to be honest, like the, that I think everybody was just kind of like head down. Um, I don't remember hearing anything like specific during the time I was actually with people. Um, oh, so you didn't hear Shalane being like, I gotta pee. <laughs> no, no. But then I saw her come out like, and like come by me and I was like, what the hell? This is so weird. Um, because by that point, usually they're like a mile ahead of me <laughs> or, you know, close to it. Um, yeah. It, what was the decision like to, like, drop out and be like, I, th- I have to do this? Um, it wasn't really much of a decision. I started blacking out. Okay. Um, That'll do it. Going into the halfway point. And then it was also kind of around the same time that Chilean had come out of the like porta potty and gone by. So there was a camera crew right next to me on a motorcycle and they, I stopped to walk for a second. Cause I was like, my eyes were rolling back in my head mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, but it was also strange because like a mile before that I felt fine and I was actually in like pretty good spirits. So I was like, okay, this is going to be tough, but I can yeah. get through it. And were then, you like, wearing like, like arm warmers or anything? I think I had arm warmers and I had started with the jacket on that I, it, it, but it wasn't really a jacket. It was like a Jersey thing. So it yeah. got like super heavy and wet. And I was like, is this actually helping me or not? Yeah. Probably not. Um, but yeah, it was very, very cold and wet. And I think the, the headwind also just played a role in like my body temperature just, getting too low probably and quickly the, after that you had you made a decision to like run another race to, to kind of like recycle oh, fitness right did the camera crew like pick you up oh the camera crew was like don't oh, yeah. be stupid 
don't be stupid. Just drop out now. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. And then I had this like big, like 300 pound firefighter dude because we were right in front of the Wellesley fire station. Okay. And he just kind of like came up and like swooped me off the course. And then I was like, wait a second, my race is happening out there. <laughs> I was like, I'm, I'm not ready for this. I'm not ready to go inside yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, you're just like, I don't know if you guys have dropped out of a marathon before, but it is actually the most heartbreaking feeling just because you're like you know you only get this chance to like do this right probably like max 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 three times a year yeah but if you're someone like me it's probably more like two and you know (laughs) you put in a lot of weeks yeah Yeah, exactly um so yeah so then it was it was kind of tough to bounce back yeah but But you you did race like i think i did yeah I ended up deciding kind of like, well, I had talked to Terry, obviously my coach about maybe trying to run another race and he wasn't entirely dismissive of the idea only because I had dropped out early enough. Mm -hmm. Um, But he also wasn't like, yeah, let's do it. He was like, let's think about it. How do you feel? Like it's not going to be what, boston was gonna be you know if Mm -hmm. it was even a halfway decent day um so yeah i ended up deciding to do it because i think um some of my like training buddies and friends were running um so i was like okay i can like go out there and do jersey and make the most of it um and it ended up being really fun and it was kind of like I think ultimately I decided to do it because I was like, I just don't really want to end this like amazing, like five months with like on this, like real, like low note. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it wasn't, it wasn't an amazing race, but I'm, I'm glad that ultimately I decided to do it. And yeah. Cool. But then, so at Berlin, like how did the buildup go for Berlin compared to Boston? Um, I had, I don't know. I feel like the buildup for Berlin was kind of, it was less, it was kind of, God, how do, how would I describe it? It was like, it was more like I had kind of had this thing where I was like, I knew that I was in really good shape before Boston. And I knew that I was like ready to like break some like big time goals, Mm. I guess, if everything kind of aligned and went well. Um, but it was kind of a, it was a little bit of a struggle. Like I was definitely enjoying the training, but I didn't have as many workouts that were like clear indicators of my fitness. I think whether it was like either because of like humidity and dew point, or it was just like harder to gauge like what kind of shape I was in. Um, and I, I had had to skip, like I had to kind of like postpone some of my harder, longer efforts to like to other like to like the next week or whatever because the dew point was just so high that it wasn't really gonna be yeah. a good like mental um, <clears throat> a, a good I don't I don't know how you, how I would describe that but um, I think 
Terry always considers like the mental side of like, mm-hmm. like actually, confidence. yeah. And it's like, you know, we can go out and aim to run this like 15 seconds per mile off marathon pace, but is that mm-hmm. really going to like be a confidence builder, which is right. half of the purpose of this right. type of workout anyways. Um, so I, yeah, I think going into Berlin, it was just a little bit more like a little less sure about my fitness. Um, but that being said, I think I knew I was still like the fittest I've been. <laughs> um, yeah. And then what happened right before the race? <laughs> oh, good. Um, I ended up getting a flu, like, I guess it was on Monday night before Berlin. Oh, no. <laughs> It's just like, um, it's so rude of the so, universe. <laughs> like, first Boston, then the flu. Look, I feel like the marathon, it's like, oh my God, I've been so humbled by that race <laughs> so many times um, that I was kind of like, just, it was more of like a shock. Like, I was like, this is, this is happening, but it's not really happening. You're still here um, in New York when you got I was flu? still here. I was like, I was leaving on Wednesday night. So I was like, I started feeling really bad like Monday afternoon and I was like, oh my God, you've got to be kidding me. (laughs) I was like, okay, I just got to like, I'm going to leave work early, go home, like lay down, sleep. Hopefully I feel better in the morning. I'm like, I'm doing all the things. Like I've done all the things (laughs) right. (laughs) And then, and, and probably like had committed to this in a way that I hadn't really like where I was like, I'm not really drinking. I was like eating super healthy. I was like getting plenty of sleep. Whereas like prior marathons, I've just been like, you know, less, less, less stringent about like my pre-race routine of like sleeping Mm -hmm. and like whatever. Uh, so yeah. Then Tuesday morning I woke up and I felt like total shit. Um, (laughs) and I was like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to get on a plane if I'm still like this tomorrow, especially like on a like transatlantic flight. I was Mm -hmm. like, this could be bad. Um, But I ended up feeling much better by Wednesday morning, got on the plane on Wednesday night and was sitting next to Fred with like a full like, (laughs) um, I don't know what you call like face mask. mask. (laughs) (laughs) He was like, no. <laughs> did you have it on or did um, he? He did. He did. <laughs> I was like, nice. <laughs> Nothing I'm gonna do. It's just gonna like be circulating back into my. Um, yeah. So. And then once you got to Berlin, like, were you still like, I'm definitely racing it, or were you like, eh. I? I mean, when I decided to get on the plane, I was like, I'm definitely gonna race. Um, but I had definitely kind of made some executive decisions to like (laughs) reframe what my idea of a good race was going to be. And rather than like go after this, like like specific time goal, I was just like, you just have to go out there and like give it an effort. That being said, I knew I probably would be disappointed if I like hadn't run, you know, within a couple minutes of what I thought I was capable of. But, um, yeah, I think, that was a big part of it. Just like being, being able to like kind of, I don't know. Yeah. Re reframe the race to be like, well, I might not get the A standard or I might not run like two thirty five, but can I just like go out there and 
you know, kind of even try to match my effort from last year and run a smart race where I'm Mm -hmm. like conservative in the first half and can, you know, just give it a shot in the second half. And so I guess now that you have like this trials qualifier, what is your timeline, I guess, look like between now and Atlanta in February 2020? And I guess like the the beauty about being here in New York is there's just countless racing opportunities. Yeah, for sure. I mean, having not raced a whole lot in the last like four years and been very like focused on the longer races, like the marathon, it's like it doesn't give you a lot of opportunity to run you know, like all the 10 K's and half marathons that you want to, um, or at least not at the level that you want to be racing necessarily mm-hmm. because your training schedule is like very, you know, stringent. Um, <laughs> but so first half of 2019 just becomes a play year where you want to test. Yeah. Out. Um, I, I, I have this idea of, um, maybe trying to beat my college PR in the 5k. Okay. Um, which might be slightly ambitious considering it's been years since I've run, <laughs> run anywhere near that fast. But um, Spiking up again. Right? Yeah, maybe putting spikes on, maybe running a track race outside, maybe doing a 10K on the track, which I've never done. Um, yeah. Automatic PR right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I like, I like where Exactly. Um, yeah, and maybe some half marathons, we'll see. Mm-hmm. Um and then I'd like to run Berlin again next year before the trials. So. Yeah, so that's Berlin. That would be the third time. That'll be the third time. Yeah. Yeah. So you've just like you've kind of like really enjoyed that racing experience there, just because I mean it is a totally flat course. Yeah. Going back to I guess your very first marathon was here in New York. Like, yeah. is, Have you accomplished what you want with the New York City Marathon? Oh no, 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 no. Um, I am. <laughs> I was watching. Dropping in, out is that I what was, you? <laughs> I was. I was watching at mile twenty three. I think it is right where there's that hill on Fifth Avenue. Maybe it's twenty two. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I was like, man, this race is so hard. I'm so scared to run it again. Um, however, I would like to run it maybe. Um, after the trials, so mm-hmm, right, if I haven't retired, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, I would like to go back and actually try to run fast now with like my experience and like I think just by nature of like running higher mileage, I think I've gained a lot of strength that will help me on that type of course. Um, but yeah, I think New York is probably I think New York is harder than Boston personally. Wow, but cool. Um, I don't know. I have one more question that I want to ask about um, a quote that you said during that shoot about the crazy dreams Mm -hmm. was that the marathon is the perfect parallel to life in general. What do you think you meant by that? (laughs) Do you remember Um, saying that? (laughs) Yeah, I think, I think it is kind of a good parallel to life in general because it's like, I mean, at least for me, it's been like every, not just within the, the like marathon itself or a marathon itself, do you kind of have these like ebbs and flows of being like, Oh, this is going really well. Holy shit. This is going really poorly. (laughs) 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 You know what I mean? Definitely. Um, Like I think in general, just like having had like so many, so many humbling experiences, but then also like having like these moments of like true, just like, wow. I can't believe I actually achieved that thing that I never thought would be possible, whether that's in like a workout or, Mm -hmm. uh, running a hundred mile week or 
you know, accomplishing some personal best. Um, Definitely. Yeah. Awesome. Chris, do you have any last questions? I guess, like, yeah, having seen just the New York running scene evolve over time, mm-hmm. what do you, I guess, like, do you take away from seeing just not even because you have this ability because you are so fast to surround yourself with some of the top, um, you know, runners in the area. Like there's a bunch of elite runners, but when you see some of these people in running crews who are chasing much more, I guess like for them, it's ambitious goals, whether it's you know, yeah, completing yeah. their first marathon mm-hmm. or, you know, just breaking four hours or something like that. What yeah. do you, what is, what do you get out of seeing those types of, you know, people in, within the city? Yeah. Um, I, I find it super inspiring and I'm like so glad like what, with something like Moonshot, which I think is just such an awesome, uh, like it's an awesome experience for someone like me, but also like it like offers the experience to like be around like such a diverse group of people, like with such a diverse, uh, like, spread of dreams and hopes I don't know it was like it was so cool because I wouldn't normally have the opportunity to interact with so many people that are like oh I'm trying to run like a five-hour marathon or a four-hour marathon or I'm doing this because like my crew's into it or whatever um I don't know I found I found that super inspiring and then I think that kind of applies to like it's kind of like a nice like intersection of Mm -hmm. the New York running community, I think, because it represents so many types of people. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think it's, it's super inspiring for me and my training. And I think like a lot of the time, like I'm looking at someone that's like, I'm like, holy shit, that's way harder than what I'm doing. Like, to, to like be on your feet for like five hours, you know, trying to like break that mark. I'm Mm -hmm. like, I'm like, that blows my mind. So yeah. Yeah. Leanne was the one who got the title of minor celebrity in the New York city running scene from the New York (laughs) times. But you, I guess like have been part of it, I guess when you do interact with some of these people within like moonshot Mm -hmm. and they come up to you and they're just like freaking out because of how fast you ran. Like, (laughs) is that still a little, I guess like, are you used to it by now? Or is it, is it still a little weird for you to just be like, Um, wow, I guess like to some of these people, like I am really (laughs) like, this is, I'm a super, one of these super women. Yeah. Um, I, I still am like totally, I, I don't know. I'm, it's, it's still very strange for me. Um, that anyone would, <laughs> would I, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I guess, like, on paper or whatever, I think it's, like, sure, there have been a lot of accomplishments, but I don't necessarily, like, see myself in this, like, frame of, like, yeah. elite <laughs> female athlete. Um, but within the New York yeah. bubble. like Yeah, like, within, yeah. The, within the New York bubble, no, but, yeah, it's, I don't know. Yeah, it's... You'll get used to it eventually. <laughs> Chris, Chris was like ready for how he would end. <laughs> I'm nobody. Um, cool. All we're right. gonna move into the yeah. final questions. So from David Perry, he asked us to ask you, what do you want your legacy in the sport of running to be? Um, David Perry with the light, the light questions. <laughs> yeah, just quick, easy, off the top of your head. Um. I don't know. I think that's a really tough 
question to answer. I don't really think I get to decide what my <laughs> legacy will be, but, but um, yeah, I don't know. I kind of, on one hand, I feel like while I would love to be like more kind of active on a daily with the running community, I mm-hmm. hope that like, you know, the people that I do get the opportunity to interact with and train with and things like that. Um, I, I hope that I've been like a positive influence or, you know, in some capacity. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I think, you know, one aspect for me is, or one thing that I've kind of come to the conclusion of is like, well, I can only do so much. Like I need to kind of be okay with like, doing doing what I can do and like training and working and like being a good person and having interests outside of running totally Um, I don't know yeah you mentioned I guess like when you did bring up the 2020 trials Mm -hmm. you threw out the r word you said retirement now (laughs) soon after that it's like what is what like what is that is that really part of the plan mostly a joke um and what i guess what would that entail after like if you did decide to kind of like scale it back (laughs) is that what it is is it scaling it back and just like maybe not shooting for these crazy fast times, but still participating in running in like these. Yeah, I don't know. That's a really good question. That's actually a question that I ask myself a lot. Like what, what exactly does that look like if I'm not doing it to the extent that I'm doing it? And I think it's really strange in a way because this past year I've like probably, I've not only like had the most like success on paper probably, but I also like have run more miles than I've ever run, you know, before before Thanksgiving, basically, mm-hmm. um, in a year, uh, I like ran my first hundred mile week, like the first week of 2018. So I think there's like been all these like kind of like new experiences that have kind of like invigorated my running or like kept it like super interesting and appealing. And that could just be like finding a new training group or finding a new training partner or, um, I, I don't know, like it can run the gamut or like going on a trip, like to Mexico or to mammoth. I got to go this summer and that was like, these are all things that kind of like have been really inspirational to me throughout this year. And I kind of hope that I can continue like having these like new experiences within running that keep it like fresh in a way. Um, so hopefully, you know, I can continue running like to the, extent that i'm running now in a you know for at least a few more years forever (laughs) or until it's like until it's like not fun and like right i think everyone knows that in the sport it's like you can have major ebb and flow whether it comes from like injury or just like not progressing for a while at a time um yeah definitely um all right, cool. Now we're going to get into some of our usual questions. Um, so I don't know if you have answers to all of these. I don't know if you're a baseball fan, really, but we'll find out <laughs> shortly. Um, so to start off, what is like a perfect New York City day for you? What does it look like? Someone hated on this question. I know. We're going to still, still ask. <laughs> yeah. Really? What? Yeah. What's so bad about that Screw question? the haters. <laughs> someone who's just like, oh, you know, we want to hear more about, you know, the, the New York running scene and someone who like grinds from, you know, early on in the hour, in the early hours. Right, and we're like, right, oh, right. great. We got that with Caitlin. But it's right. like, we're still going to ask this question. <laughs> right. I love no, this question. Totally. Yeah, no, I think it's good. <laughs> Um, 
Jeez, I would say it probably starts with a run in Prospect Park or Central Park, um, and maybe some sort of like, well, probably like coffee meal, um, <laughs> um, maybe going to like a museum or just hanging out with friends. That's cool. pretty basic, but <laughs> no, that's a great day. <laughs> Sounds lovely. Uh, a simple, a simple creature. <laughs> I'll go with. Favorite slice of pizza in New York? Do you eat pizza? I eat pizza. Well, I I would say Williamsburg pizza, actually. Really? Do you guys know that spot? No, I don't. Where is it? Yeah. I feel like I should. Yeah, solid. <laughs> it's kind of in a weird Not area. It's like, it is Williamsburg, but it's like Meserol. Oh. Or no, no, no. South 4th and Graham? Union? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Cool. Hit it up. I'll have to try it. Yeah, yeah. that sounds great. Knowing nothing about it, but just that it's Williamsburg Pizza. We're going to eventually put together like a map. We should. Where just like all our guests have said, like, go to this place, this place. So, Scars is two. There used to be like a pizza race, right? Where people would like run to different pizza places and then eat the slices. We could do like a new unsanctioned New York. Joe Donato is hopefully listening to this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where's your favorite place to run in New York? You mentioned Central and Prospect. I, I would say Prospect, just because that's like my home turf yeah. now. So it's pretty much every day for me. So just kind of piggybacking off, and uh, something I guess I asked Leanne, and it's like, do you have memories of like I died like many times in like Prospect Park? Like, are there <laughs> oh, wor- yeah. really workouts that <laughs> yeah. stick out in your head? We're like, whoa, like that's a spot where like I can't go by that water fountain without yeah. thinking about that workout. <laughs> yeah, yeah, certainly. Um, yeah, more, or sometimes it's like, oh, the cool down from Red Hook track oh, yeah. where it's like, it's kind of far <laughs> for me. So it's like, I had a couple. Oh my God, it's so far, yeah, right? It's, it's like six miles, but yeah, sometimes coming back, I'm like, oh my God, I got to stop right now and get some sort of like sugar in my system. Otherwise it's I'm like going to be falls. like, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> my go-to is like, okay, I finished the workout. Like I like tell myself I'm going to jog or like bike. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I would city bike back mm-hmm. and then I would just end up at Van Lewin's in Cobble <laughs> yes, Hill. Yes. And then I'd be like, oh, well, I guess I'm going to take the train from here. Yeah. <laughs> Um, okay, cool. And then, yeah, we do have a question here. Yankees or Mets? Are you a baseball fan? Mets, for sure, Mets, but nice. really Indians, Ooh. if you must know. Ohio, nice. Yeah. Do you ever go to the games at the Mets stadium? I here? actually haven't ever been to a game I've only in been to one. New York. They're but you've been fun. to... Basketball games, for sure, but... You've been to so the Jake in Ohio. But oh, yeah. You call times. it the Jake? Uh, it's progressive field now. But yeah, no one calls yeah, it yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, you're you're in the. Ne- How long has it been progressive? Probably like a handful least, like, of years. Yeah. Like, well, yeah, I think so. I've been to it once for. I yeah, think, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, what's the one question you think we should ask our next guest, which is Hector Espinal, co-founder of the Rerun Uptown Group? Um, I'd love to know what his like favorite thing about the New York City running community is, and also what marathon he's gonna run next. Yeah, cool. He was supposed to run New York and then decided against it. So, I know. but yeah, he's one of those guys who is out there for five hours and like it's very impressive. Yeah, definitely. Very. Yeah. All right. Cool. I think. Do we have one more question? 
I think, I that's, think we're done. I think that's it. So yeah, thanks so much. This was awesome. Thanks, this flew guys. by. Flattered. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I have more questions, but I'm just gonna have to <laughs> save them. We'll, we'll go on a run. Yeah. <laughs> I learned so much compared to what I found on the internet. So yeah, well, this is we'll good. We'll have to Mission type this transcript up for sure. I mean, we do for all of them, but yeah. this way we can get more information out there. It'll be out there. Yeah. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> Stand clear of the closing doors, please. Many thanks to Caitlin for taking the time to do the interview with us. If you're interested in following her on Instagram, she is at Caitlin Phillips. Really easy to track down. And then if you're not following us, here's how to do that. All right. You can follow us at Runners of NYC on Twitter, all one word. And now Runners of NYC on Instagram. If you hadn't heard, the previous owner of that handle, Runners of NYC, turned over the keys to us, which is very nice. So thank you to them. And yeah, follow along. And we hope you enjoy the show. Um, if you don't enjoy the show, you can let us know at runnersofnyc at gmail.com. You can offer some suggestions, some critiques, whatever you want. Um, but yeah, we are also still in negotiations with sponsors and we're currently in talks for a title sponsor. So that's exciting. Yeah. So if you're interested in doing that, just shoot us an email. And as you heard in the last part of the interview, the next guest on the podcast will be Hector Espinal, the co-founder of We Run Uptown. So you can look for that episode to drop on December 11th. And if you haven't already done so, catch up on our previous episodes with Joe Donato, Leanne Sherrick, who will be running the CIM Marathon on December 2nd. So good luck to her. And the previous episode before this was David Perry. You can also read the full transcripts of those interviews on citiesmag.com. Uh, and we'll work on getting this one also up within a couple days. So any last words, Jean? Thanks for listening. Love you. 